Hi friends, I'm Miri, and this is 2AM Talks, a podcast about the art of intentional conversation. Each episode, I bring a friend on to talk to me about just about anything they want. Today, I'm chatting with my friend Hina Dadaboy, who is a foster parent for kittens. Hina lives in Long Beach, California, and likes to read, support SJWs whose videos they barely watch on Patreon, and try different flavors of unsweetened sparkling water, which sounds like a whole other episode idea right there. You can find them on Facebook at facebook.com slash Hina's Hina, that's H-E-I-N-O-U-S-H-E-I-N-A, and Instagram for their kitty pics at Too Many Smoles, that's Too Many S-M-O-L-Z. In fact, this episode would be incomplete without that visual aid, so enjoy. Hi, Hina. How are you? All right. How are you? I'm doing great. So tell me what is awesome about Cat Rescue. Cat Rescue is awesome because basically I get to put all my love and all the most patient and best parts of me into these kittens. Go out into the world when they get adopted and, and spread that around and I can feel like I've done something and then I get more kittens (laughs) (laughs) that's the best part how did you get started with this I first found out about fostering because I adopted two kittens with my college boyfriend and I was just kind of shocked by how well behaved and sweet and calm they were and when I remarked about it to the rescue they said oh yeah this came they came from our best foster family and I'd never heard of it before but I was like oh that makes sense you have like people who who raise the kittens until they're old enough to get adopted forever but I'd never heard of it and then I sort of put that away on a shelf in my mind and unfortunately when that boyfriend and I broke up I didn't really have a place to keep the cats so they're his cats now and I mean he's taking good care of them and everything I'm not worried about that but uh in a way there was there's they helped me in two ways because I realized what fostering was and I realized that as much as it can hurt to have to let go of a pet as long as you know they're happy you know at least for me, eventually I was able to, you know, not be super, you know, torn up about it, at least not actively. Um, And then uh, before my spouse and I moved in together, we talked about fostering a lot. We watched My Cat from Hell, like a lot. (laughs) And we, we just, and he, he's been around cats his whole life. And we decided even before he moved in that we would foster if we could. And pretty, I think like a, less than a week after we moved in together we had our first foster family and it's been three awesome years since then so I want to get back to what you said about you know losing a pet and kind of you know because that's a big topic and you've also talked about um the ways that people respond to you and talk to you about that um but for now just for anyone who doesn't know can you give us a rundown of what cat fostering is So uh, some people do it on an individual basis, um, like they literally go on the street and rescue cats. I don't quite do that. I mean, I've had occasionally people finding cats and me helping them out with that. But I actually work with a rescue, which makes things a lot easier because they're organized. They have employees and volunteers. They get donations and things like that. Um, So how it works with uh, doing it through a rescue is the rescue will usually, you know, for your first time contact you, vet you, make sure your apartment is safe for little kittens because there are things that little kittens will get into that, you know, an older cat won't. 
And then um, after that, they'll usually like ask you like what kind of cats you want to foster because fostering isn't just for kittens. It's for any cat that needs some kind of special care before they're considered adoptable. So it could be a pregnant mama cat. It could be a nursing mama cat. It could be little kittens who need someone to bottle feed them or syringe feed them. It could be sick cats. It could be cats with behavioral issues or traumas. Like it could be any number of things. Um, so what you usually do is when you take them in, you're taking care of them until that issue is resolved, whether that's they're too young or they're sick or they have behavioral problems. And then you get to know them a little bit, which really helps with the adoption process, um, which happens when uh, the cat is ready for a forever home. So when whatever issue they have has been pretty much resolved, usually with most uh, rescues, you take, you put your best pictures of them on their website, you write up a bio, um, that's only usually necessary for adult cats. Usually kittens will go to an adoption center, which a lot of rescues have. So, you know, those enclosures you see at pet stores like PetSmart or Petco, that's, they're usually su supplied with cats from rescues. Um, and then the weekend events where you'll see people out with tables and cages full of kittens. Um, but yeah, I've rarely had to write a bio or, or submit pictures of kittens. They usually get snapped up at the events. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's never a problem. It's the adults that you really have to kind of push with people because everyone loves the little kittens, even though I always tell people, especially uh, hesitant people, as far as, you know, maybe they don't have a lot of experience with cats, that they should probably get an adult and not a kitten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It sounds like kind of a year-round version of that Easter bunny problem where people get bunnies for um for their kids as an easter present and then mm -mm. yeah it kind of is and um it's becoming more of a year-round problem actually because there you'll hear people in rescue uh, and who work with shelters and things talk about kitten season and when they talk about cats going into heat to to make more kittens the heat literally corresponds with the weather so when the weather gets warm, female cats will go into heat and then want to mate and want to make kittens. But now that climate change means that there's warm weather almost all the time, especially where I live in Southern California, cats are going into heat younger and younger and having more and more babies. So it's becoming an even bigger problem. Oh no, babies. Wow. Yes, too many babies. <laughs> I did not expect this conversation to touch on climate change, but there you go. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely, like, people I know in rescue, even people who are, like, you know, used to be climate change skeptics, or, you know, we're like, oh, that sounds, like, weird, and like a conspiracy. They're seeing the evidence <laughs> of it in front of their eyes, and they're like, oh, well, <laughs> it really is warmer, huh? So, um, to ask a question that's totally obvious to me, but may not be to everyone else, why cats? Oh, gosh. Uh <laughs> <laughs> growing up like I all I wanted was a kitten like every time my parents would say what do you want for a holiday or for your birthday or graduation present I'd always say a kitten but I wasn't allowed um, but I fell in love with my neighbor's cats and uh, cats that I would just meet on the street and relatives cats um, I just always had a soft spot for them and um, I joke all the time like when I run events and a family will walk by and the parents will tell their kids oh you can't have 
any any pets we're not getting a cat i'll warn them i'll say your, your child might grow up to be me and have 10 cats in their house at a time <laughs> so keep them supplied lest they they, they come to this faith but what you're um, saying is um parents should definitely get cats for their kids when they ask or else Mm. yeah they'll end up like me (laughs) (laughs) doing rescue (laughs) but yeah I mean I I I don't know if I can explain why cats I I guess part of it too is that um I find cats to be rewarding socially because you know there are ways people call cats mysterious and really it's just cat body language is somewhat subtle um compared to I'd say like dog body language and uh, dogs are a level of work I can't really commit to just with my energy levels and various commitments and things. And um, dogs are kind of extroverted in a way that can overwhelm me where cats are yeah. a lot calmer um, for me. And they actually make me feel calm, calmer. So I guess that's why cats, um, you know, small animals, there are people who do like rabbit and, and guinea pig and such rescue. They don't live very long and they unfortunately that means that you know you just deal with a lot more loss and I don't know if I could handle that <laughs> yeah so what is your favorite kind of bit of cat body language or behavior oh it's the way they hold their tails oh uh, yeah like when they when so people will see a cat flicking their tail and they think of dogs and they think it's wagging its tail no the cat is annoyed (laughs) you know a a twitch a twitch is an annoyed thing um although sometimes they'll do it when they're hunting or they're playing it's it's a sign of intense focus whether that's based on annoyance or you know playfulness um but you know if you're petting a cat and they're starting to switch their tail either they're going to go into kill mode or they're pissed either way you know the claws might come out um yeah um but i really like when they hold their tails up straight high it's a sign of confidence it's a sign of you know they're they're feeling good about things but my favorite is when they vibrate their tails ever so slightly while they hold them up straight that's a sign of like i'm so happy to see you and that is one of the first signs i'll get with a cat that i need to socialize so some of mine come in they have behavioral issues or they have trauma or they're semi-feral and they need to be socialized. And once, you know, if I walk into the room and instead of hiding, they look at me with their tail vibrating that way, I know I, I know we've turned a corner in a good way. That is really cool. I actually did not know that one. I always wondered what that was. Oh, yeah. No, that's that's the sign of like, I'm so excited to see you. And sometimes they'll curve just the tip of their tail when they're holding it straight up. It almost looks like a question mark. That is actually a sign of inquisitiveness. So it's almost like, you know, a question mark. I find that is so cute. That is amazing. (laughs) I think my favorite thing is kneading, which for anyone who's not a cat person, that's kneading with a K. And it's when they literally, um, I mean, I've also heard it called making biscuits by Midwestern people, because I guess that's who makes biscuits. Um, (laughs) They kind of like massage something with their paws, um, and and it looks very cute, except that it does involve their claws being out. So one of our cats loves to massage people's genitals in that manner. Um, So you definitely feel that, but it's really cute. It is. And uh, the behavior actually comes from uh, nursing, like they'll massage their mom's teats to uh, stimulate the milk production. Um, so it's like a comforting thing. It's like, and, and 
I try not to encourage it in my kittens because sometimes they'll also suckle along with it. Um, and that's kind of a not great habit, but sometimes you can't do much about it. Cause like it often happens with kittens who lost their moms or were weaned too early. And so you just kind of have to like include it in the cat's quirks and be like, make sure they have a blankie or something that they can safely suckle and, and knead on. <laughs> so do you know why adult cats would do that? Um, it's, it's a comfort and like relaxed behavior or um, sometimes it's a self-soothing mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it does indicate that the cat was taken away from their mother too young. Um, and, or if they're bottle babies, sometimes they're more likely to do it because when they suckle from a bottle, they don't get to have that same, you know, sort of full experience of kneading on something warm and soft and, and, and all that. Yeah. I guess what I always like what always made me wonder about it is that obviously you know when they need a human being's genitals they're, they're definitely not getting milk out of that but they do it anyway <laughs> so I guess it feels nice to them yeah it's like a comforting sort of tick um and you'll notice they'll do it on genitals or even like armpits um <laughs> beards because you know anywhere where there's like a concentration of like fur and pheromones like they'll they, they think of their mom's bellies I guess <laughs> Yeah, there's like a particular kind of fuzzy blanket that reliably produces that too. Yeah, the shearling, they call them shearling style blankets. Yeah. Uh, yeah. My my spouse has one and we call it mother because it's not his anymore. It belongs to the kittens. <laughs> oh, it's like those um horrible experiments they did with the baby monkeys and the um wire mother and the cloth mother. Oh my gosh, those those experiments are so sad. Which, okay, so for any, so for anyone who's unfamiliar, um, I guess this was back when rules were a bit more lax about what kind of experiments you could do. But they would take baby monkeys um, away from their mothers, and they would give them um, th- they would kind of build this monkey either out of wire or out of cloth, and um, the the structure would kind of dispense milk. But the cloth one could also be used for comforting. And what they found was that the baby monkeys that had the cloth mother just had better outcomes on all sorts of measures than the ones who just had the wire one, even though they were both getting like the same, um, you know, food from it. The ones with the cloth one spent more time with it. They cuddled with it. And even though it obviously wasn't a, a, a real mother in any sense, it improved like their health and behavior, which is good i guess but also so sad yeah and i mean i guess to lift it up a little bit like that's part of why fostering is so important you know um and because you know you can feed and clean and keep a cat alive and relatively healthy like even in a cage or something but they're not going to be as sweet or adoptable or happy or or in the long term healthy is when they're getting you know lots of affection and lots of love and and all that yeah so to put it kind of in therapy terms since i'm a therapist it's giving them like a healthy early attachment from which to then build on yeah exactly and yeah <laughs> very good therapist <laughs> it's really it's really succinctly captures that what is the hardest thing about doing that for them? Um, as far as fostering in general? Yeah, like in terms of giving them that healthy attachment. 
Um, the, sometimes the, you know, when they're a certain age, they're really rambunctious, but also really cuddly. So sometimes they just don't give you a break. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, they'll zoom around and play for like 20 minutes and then they'll want to cuddle for you for two seconds. And like, some cats are very, um, persistent about wanting acknowledgement so some cats will you know they'll, they'll zoom around and they're happy to cuddle on you even as you're sleeping and they won't wake you and then they'll go back to zooming around but some of them want you to be awake and pet them and tell them how pretty they are um <laughs> and they want that acknowledgement of like you know you're alive and you're awake and you care about me which which is fine except when it's 3 a.m and you're tired and you got work the next day and there's a kitten meowing insistently and you, you of course think, oh, maybe they're out of food or something. No, they just want you to, to they just want to know that they can have your attention if they want it. <laughs> they, well, it's like you said, they just need to be told that they're pretty. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes, you know, you have um, like cats that don't quite get along and then that can be really stressful to try and get them to get along although with little kittens that's usually not the case because they're so young that they just you know they don't care they just love playmates yeah so tell me about kind of the process of then letting them go to their forever homes and kind of what's challenging about that and also how people will talk to you about that oh yeah you've seen me talk about this you know I'll, I'll, I'll simply mention that i am a foster in the con in an appropriate context i don't like announce this in every room or something but you know, people talk about pets or about what they do and i'm like oh yeah I foster and immediately the reaction is oh i could never do that i just would get so attached to them and i wouldn't be able to let them go and i understand on some level they're just trying to make themselves feel better about the fact that they're not doing something that they perceive as a good mm. but on the other hand, it feels like a little abrasive sometimes. Like, oh, you think I don't love them? That's why I can let them go? You know? Yeah. It's it just, it, it sometimes rubs me the wrong way. Especially since it's not like I'm telling them to foster. Um, you know, I mean, I have inspired other people to foster. But that's never been from me telling people you should foster. And here's why. Um, but, yeah, I guess letting them go, it can be difficult. But you know, I, I'm ready for it. You know, I'm, I, I know that this is what the end goal is. And I know that I can do so much more good by letting them go to a forever home and then taking in more kitties that need me than if I foster failed, which is what you call it when you adopt one of your fosters. And, you know, I mean, I very quickly end up with a house full of cats and then not have much bandwidth left for, for fostering. And, there's also sort of the aspect of the flexibility and this doesn't get brought up a lot with fostering, but it's something that I figured out for myself. Um, you know, if you have a forever pet, you know, you've made a commitment to them for their entire lives. So there's vet bills. And if you go on vacation, you have to figure out what to do with them. And, you know, if you move in into a, a space that has other people or other animals, you have to negotiate all that. There's a lot that goes into it that is a sort of long-term thing that I don't actually have to worry a whole lot about. You know, if I move, I just ensure that my rescue knows as soon as I know I'm moving and we make sure that I don't have any kitties when I'm moving. 
or, you know, in January, I went on a vacation for a week and I made sure that all my kitties were either adopted or at adoption centers. Um, or, you know, if you plan to move at some point, which, you know, us millennials and inability to stay in one place or whatever, um, if you bounce around at all, you know, it, it really is a lot easier if you're fostering. And uh, mon- monetarily, too. I mean, it's not like fostering is free. Some rescues do provide, like, food and litter and stuff. Most don't because it's just really, really expensive. But when it comes to the vet bills, even the big ones, you know, that's all done through the rescue. Um, you know, you rarely find yourself in a situation where you have to pay for anything out of pocket. Right. You know what? I, I was just thinking about something you said a little bit ago. Um, I wonder if you've ever, I don't remember if you've ever made the connection between the comments that people make to you about fostering and the comments that they make about polyamory. Um, because, <laughs> like, oh, I could never do that. Okay, I didn't tell you you should. <laughs> I I actually have like there's certain things that you can't say without someone immediately saying they couldn't do that. It's like nobody was inviting you. Like it's okay. <laughs> like if if you, I mean, I actually get the same thing with um, when people talk when I talk about the fact that my spouse is disabled and can't work, and that I'm his caregiver and I work full time and do a lot of the chores and stuff. They're like, well, I can never do that. I'm like, well, you're not his spouse, are you? <laughs> <laughs> And, and honestly, on some level, though, it's a little bit sad because I think, oh, you know, if you think about it when it comes to disability, this is a whole topic on its own. But most people end up disabled in some way eventually. You know, old age usually will do something to you. And it's like, oh, so you're just going to dump your partner if they're no longer fully able-bodied? Okay. <laughs> it, like, okay, like if someone who is, um, you know, single or or solo polyamorous or otherwise not kind of in a committed relationship says that I I mean okay whatever but a lot of the people that I see saying things like that are uh, married which means most of them stood up in front of their friends and family and said you know in sickness and in health and and so on and what exactly did they think that that meant Uh, I don't know (laughs) I don't I I don't know if everybody always explores the implications of what they're saying I'm I'm sure they don't (laughs) but you know to connect to the kitty fostering disability it's also something really nice that my spouse can do because you know like he's he has to be home a lot just because he doesn't always have the energy to go out and do things and he always has company you know he always has kitties And, you know, they tend to be really, not all of them, but a lot of them tend to be pretty, um, like, empathetic in the sense that they'll know when he's having a bad day and they'll cuddle with him more and stuff. Kitty nurses. Yeah, it makes me feel a lot better to know that they're there for him and that, you know, even if he's having a day where he can't do a whole lot, you know, they'll, they'll go to him and cuddle him and make sure he's okay and they'll take care of him. Do you think you'd still be able to foster kittens um, if he were not a stay-at-home spouse? Like, would they have enough attention otherwise? You know, I would probably have to limit it more. Um, I wouldn't be able to take care of as many uh, sick kittens as I do, or as many kittens in general, just the sheer number that I do. So, yeah, it is. it, it does help a lot that I have a stay-at-home spouse as far as... Uh, the numbers and you know the sick ones and things like that um but you know if you 
if anyone listening to this is considering fostering, know that you don't have to be home all the time. It just would mean that you would be taking less, like, kittens with fewer issues and probably older ones. Yeah, that makes sense. What sort of, um, like, how many kittens might you have in a typical month? Uh... You know, it really depends um, on the rescue and what other kitties I have. Because if I have a problem child of some kind, that usually I'm going to be focusing my energy on on the problem child. Um, usually if they're sick or if they have behavioral issues or something. Right now I'm at, I think, five. Yeah, I'm at five. Um, but that's because one of them is, poor thing, he's just really not socialized. He's very skittish. And so we're doing our best to work on him without overwhelming him with too many other cats around. Yeah. Yeah. And then recently up until like a week ago, we had my mom's cat. We were cat sitting for a while. So, you know, we didn't want to overwhelm him either. Um, but I've had up to 20 at a time. <laughs> That's <Wow>. happened. <laughs> I mean, of them, half of them were temporary. Um, so my rescue used to do shelter pulls, which meant that if a batch of kittens was about to be put down and there was nothing wrong with them, they would pull them from the shelter. I would house them temporarily. And then when they found a longer term foster, they would get them out there. But it was literally a matter of life and, day and death. So I used to just, I mean, how can you say no? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard to say no. And actually, that's one thing that makes a really good um, rescue uh, coordinator is to know when to ask because they know we're all soft-hearted and we fosters will say yes, even if we shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, and presumably they don't want to burn you out or cause you financial problems. That Oh, yeah, definitely not. Like, even the ones where they don't necessarily provide litter and food to everyone, like, I know that, you know, in tight spots, they would comp me the food or the litter. Or, you know, give me some of the donated stuff. Or, you know, if I was feeling kind of tired or sick or something, they'd say, all right, we're going to, you know, slow down the, the kitten <laughs> stream for a little while. <laughs> yeah. Stream is like the most amazing kind of stream. <laughs> <laughs> something like that. What is the funniest incident you've ever had with any of these kittens? I'm trying to trying to think that's that's a probably after i get off the, the line <laughs> with you i'm gonna like think of 500 stories of course. um i mean there's always the times where you know you think they're lost or something and they oh okay this isn't really about a kitten this is about a cat so duchess who is now named mavis was our infamous problem child we had her for a year and a half poor thing was traumatized i could probably talk for an hour just about her backstory but yeah she came to us just scared and and hostile and you know we it took about a year to get her adoptable and then it took about six months to find someone who would adopt her because it had to be someone who would be sensitive to her you know mm -hmm. um so we were we were willing to wait forever literally forever for the perfect person but she did find her perfect person but anyway, we had just moved from an apartment to a small house, and I didn't realize how bad the screens were on the windows of that house. And we had left to go buy something or something, and we came back, and I went to the side of the house, and I saw Duchess's collar 
in the backyard. <laughs> and I said, oh, my God, did she get out? Like, what happened? And I yelled out. I said, Danny, where's Duchess? He said, she's right here. I said, but her collar's out here. And we figured out what had happened. She had gone outside, decided, eh, this is terrible. I don't want to be out here. And went back inside. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And then left the evidence. Yes, because she hated her collar. She had this beautiful pink glitter collar we bought her. It looked great on her. Like, her her stripy calico markings just looked great with it. And we moved. She she ditched it somewhere. She hadn't even gotten out or anything at that apartment. She ditched it somewhere. And we moved, I think, twice since then. We still don't know where it went. <laughs> the oh mystery God. of the pink glitter collar will, will remain. So that actually reminds me um, of a story about my cats. So um, they're both adults. um, And one of them, I've tried to use a harness and leash with her. Um, And this happened actually after she escaped one day and terrified me. And I was very mom-like. I was kind of like, if you want to be out there so badly, then let's do this properly. So I trained her gradually with the harness. But she would just find the most ridiculous ways to get out of it. Um, she would slip out of it. She she would somehow bite it off of herself. Um, one particular time, I was staying with my parents after my surgery, and I heard this kind of like just horrible bang, like something had fallen or a door had slammed. And I go over, and um, my parents' bedroom door is closed, even though they're not home. And I I, I slowly open it. I, I don't really know what I'm going to find. And I find my cat in the most ridiculous position. Her foot is like up in her ear practically um and I'm like what have I just caught her doing but she doesn't move and I and, and of course well first thing I do is I immediately take my phone and take a photo and then I look down <laughs> and realize the reason she's not moving is because she's got her own back foot stuck in like the harness um and she can't move. And, and she's just laying there trying to act chill about it. Like, nope, it's fine. I, I totally meant to be in this position. <laughs> Congratulations, you played yourself. <laughs> Very much so. Um, but af- after that, we actually successfully went outside with it. It was great. She did escape out of it once. Um, put her back in. She insisted on going into the bushes and started sneezing. But other than that, she seemed to have a great time yeah i i haven't successfully trained i was gonna start training duchess to go outside on the lead but then she uh she got adopted i did clicker and pointer train her a bit um which i picked up a kit from this group called the amazing acker cats they used to travel around the country doing um like an act with cats you know jumping through hoops and things like that Um, Unfortunately, the person who runs it um, has cancer, and so she's in treatment right now. But I think, yeah, her prognosis is good, so they're supposed to be back on the road later this year. But um, I went to one of their shows, and I volunteered, and I got one of their kits. And so I was starting to train Duchess with a pointer and a clicker, um, which was really cool. People don't think you can train cats, but you can. Um, Especially if you have a food-motivated cat, you're good. (laughs) You know, they'll do anything for a treat? Okay. but the, the other cat, funny cat story, actually, now I remember, of course, after hearing your story, um, one of our foster cats, her name is Sasha, and she was just the sweetest thing. 
um, just really sociable. And she got adopted to a family with several rambunctious teenagers and dogs. And I think it's like the perfect life for her. She's, she's having a good time. Uh, but one time, a bunch of my friends came over to our place to eat dinner and hang out before we went to a midnight pre-release for a Magic the Gathering set. And she was hanging out with us, chatting with us, you know, just being very sociable as she is. And then it was time for us to get out of the house and get in the car and, and go over to the, the comic book store. And I guess she decided, oh, I'm part of this crowd. So we, we all stood up and started walking outside. She just walked along with us. <laughs> Just as calmly as you please. Like, she wasn't dashing out. She was just saying, oh, I guess we're going now. (laughs) You can't play cards with us, Sasha. You have to stay home. Like, oh, is this what we're doing? Oh, okay, okay, this is what we're doing. (laughs) It was was so sweet and cute that, you know, she got lots of scritches later. (laughs) My cat, Katya, who um, is the same one that I trained with the harness, she is i mean she's a consummate extrovert in the actual real sense of the term which is where you know you get your energy from being around lots of people the more people in the house the calmer she is um whenever i have a party she comes down she'll usually pick out either um, a chair or like a person size spot on on the sofa and she sits there and like that's her spot um for most of the party um sometimes if there isn't a spot for her initially when she comes down she'll wait until someone gets up to get food and then she'll take that spot and she's very pro-social she sits there and she faces you know usually like into the circle and people talk and she just kind of looks from person to person you know like someone sitting at a party that's you know people don't realize that like cats can be like that like there's so many different kinds of cats and there's yeah. some people I know who will say oh I thought I didn't like cats but then I met this one cat and I like that cat but I still don't like cats and I'm thinking if you got to know these cats you probably would like them you know <laughs> and not to, not to bring my psych background into this again but that's actually like a feature of stereotypes where when people have their stereotypes disconfirmed whether it's like gender stereotype or racial or cats um that's what they do they like make like a little like exception in their brain for that individual (laughs) (laughs) but that is that is legit my favorite part of fostering though is getting to meet so many little personalities and learn all their quirks and squeeze all their toe beans (laughs) it is my goal to eventually foster every kind of cat that there is I don't know if that'll ever happen, but last year I did get to foster some polydactyls, so some six-toed babies with thumbs, and that was on my list pretty high up, and I was really excited. <laughs> Have you ever had a hairless cat? Those That is probably one of the least likely things to happen because they are very specially and intensively bred, so usually if someone's going to pay that much money for a cat, they're not going to give them up probably yeah especially not in a situation like that exactly so i mean if it were to happen i mean i i'll I'll love a little chicken breast like they look a little raw chicken breast i'll I'll cuddle one sure um although i'd have to up my bath game because they they require baths because they still produce as much uh skin or oil on their skin as a cat with more fur does but it has nowhere to go, so you have to bathe them. Yeah. 
What kinds of special needs kitties have you fostered? I've had countless ones with kitty colds and kitty colds are really, really contagious and really, really messy, especially if you have long hairs. I had a a brother and sister pair who were both long hairs with really bad snot issues on their noses and they used each other as handkerchiefs. No! It was really gross. Like It was beyond gross. And I just waited until they were healthy and then I bathed them. And the thing with bathing them is you don't want to bathe a cat unless you really have to, especially kittens, because they go into shock from the cold. Um, So that is why I own a blow dryer. I don't blow dry my hair. My spouse doesn't blow dry his hair. It's exclusively for kittens. And (laughs) so we, we, I bathed these guys and blow dried them. And because their fur was so long when it was blow dried, they just looked so fabulous and amazing. Um, I had a, breakout or outbreak not breakout of ringworm when I lived in my last place and had a bunch of cats and ringworm is not a worm it's it's a topical fungus it is very unsightly and very persistent it doesn't actually hurt them but it looks horrible and it's very hard to get rid of so I literally had to bleach my entire house with 10% bleach solution and throw away so much stuff like there's nothing better for getting rid of stuff than looking at something and saying, is this worth trying to sterilize thoroughly or can I just get rid of it? Um, I've heard similar things from people who've had um, bed bugs. Yeah, it's, it was like that. Um, and, you know, thankfully we didn't have carpets, so I just had to sterilize the floors. But it was exhausting to do that much cleaning. And we had to quarantine the kitties in one room and then take them out to the bathroom, clean the room they were in, put them back in the room, then clean the bathroom again. It was just, it was very tiring. Um, but it worked, you know, it, the ring room went away and that was, that was, it was, it was like some, we had seven kitties, I think at the time. It was, it was rough, but it worked out eventually. <laughs> and then I mentioned Duchess before she had a history of trauma. So she had a lot of behavioral issues. She's just really afraid. Um, my latest behavioral issue is uh, Kiki. She's one of my current fosters and she was adopted with her sister and they were fine until suddenly her sister turned on her and started bullying her. And her human tried her best but could not figure out what was going on so she kept her bully sister and um, Kiki's back with the rescue and when she came to us she was just really afraid of other cats and had no confidence so we did our best to build her confidence and she's doing a lot better so do you have um, any cats that are with you all the time I do not have any forever cats um have not foster fails and did not have cats before this um my spouse and i talked about sorry go ahead i was just gonna say i love this term um foster fail and i want to hear more about that but (laughs) totally finish what you were saying um i've actually you know i've been tempted not gonna lie of course i have um, especially when I have a batch of cats that just really get along really well and play really well. I'm like, maybe you should just adopt them and they'll be like this forever. But of course that won't be true, you know? And, you know, I still want to keep helping save cats. So my spouse and I have talked about it and we figured that there are two situations where we might consider keeping one. The first one is a cat that's particularly good at taking care of other cats. 
So you see cats on, um, like I follow a lot of rescue and foster Instagrams. And there are certain cats that just really love kittens and really love cleaning them. And when you have kittens of a certain age, they're not very good at cleaning themselves. So if we had a more like nurturing sort of kitty in our care, we might keep them to sort of assist. Um, and of course be loved by us, but also to assist us in loving fosters. And the other situation which almost happened is a kitty with special needs where we're worried they won't find the right kind of home. Uh, one of our fosters has cerebellar hyperplasia, which is a brain condition. And he's a wobbly cat. You may have seen videos online of wobbly cats. And you know, sometimes people want to adopt them for the wrong reasons. It's because they kind of like, you know, want to laugh at the disability or um, CH cat can't really jump very high so sometimes people will favor them because it'll be easier to keep them off the counters like it's just not the right way to to view it and he's a really special kiddo and so you know we're committed to keeping him until we found the perfect home for him but thankfully someone we knew who has disabilities herself just really fell in love with him so now he is hers and doing very well um and then you know like I guess this falls in the special needs category. We were ready and willing to keep Duchess as long as we needed before, you know, she found a good home. So, but yeah, other than that, we, we don't plan on foster failing. <laughs> I'm guessing since that term is a thing, I'm guessing like that's a thing that happens often enough in the foster community. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> there, there are people I know who, stop fostering because they failed so much or you know they they told me they're like oh you're gonna fail and but you know what three years on about 70 kitties in still haven't failed yeah (laughs) (laughs) do you think i mean i guess for anyone who's listening to this who might be interested in giving it a try do you think there's any situation in which you'd say no don't do it if you have pets that are extraordinarily nervous about other animals don't do it um definitely don't if you don't have buy-in from the people you live with as far as you know that you're going to foster that you're not going to keep the animal do everything you can to to provide them with a good start in life then definitely not um i and i wouldn't say you know it's a matter of attachment but if you're I mean, this is this is going to sound negative, but if you're the type of person who tends to be possessive, um, probably not the best idea. Because it's not so much that I don't get attached as that I don't feel particularly possessive. Like, I put in all this work into this baby, so now it's mine, you know? <laughs> um, I just don't feel that way. But some people seem to feel that way about, you know, any number of things in their lives. Um, <laughs> it- yeah, the non-monogamy <laughs> comparisons continue. Right. Like, yeah. And it even applies to things like people who, you know, tend to hold on to possessions that they've worked on, even if they no longer need them or someone else could get better use out of them. Just in general, like if you're a possessive person, probably not the best idea. Um, oh, also, if you're squeamish about um, bodily fluids, because, you know, even an adult cat, sometimes when they're in a new situation might have an accident. So, you know, you're gonna have to clean up a lot of pee and a lot of poo and if you're not willing to do that which i can understand don't um 
cat pee is a really really strong smell <laughs> like really yeah, that, that's that's the real deal yeah. oh if you're attached to your furniture don't <laughs> <laughs> because um i tend to buy furniture as inexpensively as possible um i hate how expensive new furniture is so generally i'm just buying off of craigslist or whatever um and yeah i mean even if you have well-behaved kitties which i generally do you get one that might occasionally just want to sharp on the couch a little bit and you know if you paid a lot of money for your couch and you really care about your couch you're probably better off uh, adopting an adult cat and one that has a proven track record of liking their scratchers rather than your couch <laughs> some cats just want to see the world get shredded yeah and, i mean and part of it too is kittens are babies you know kids do things they're not supposed to it just it's just how it is and then when they get older they they often get better um cord chewers can be a real problem but that can be dealt with as well it's yeah there's a lot of weird foster strategies that are around and google is your friend but i also know a lot of stuff about that (laughs) (laughs) you know it's um it's interesting because there's obviously somewhat of an analogy between um, fostering cats and fostering children but based on what you said a moment ago there's also an interesting analogy between Um, fostering cats and being a parent in general because a lot of parents do take kind of ownership of their children and of their children's achievements and you know they may not force them to stay in the home with them beyond when they should but they definitely feel that sense of possessiveness over that child's outcomes whereas if someone takes your approach except applying it to parenting they might say well you know my job is to well literally socialize you and give you a good start and give you everything you need but then you go off in the world and you may end up in another home making your own choices there yeah i i hadn't thought about that but yeah it applies Um, who do you think could make a great cat foster parent who like a person specifically (laughs) no Um, someone who I guess in general is um, willing to relax their standards of living at least temporarily because like it's impossible to keep a perfectly immaculate or even close to immaculate home especially if you have kittens around so you know you you have to be willing to let that go a little bit Um, willing to deal with the idiosyncrasies not only of cats but of people because rescues are volunteer run you know, most of them do not have, they have one full-time employee if you're lucky. Um, Mm -hmm. So people will be busy. People will flake out on you. People will be really annoying with you. Like they'll communicate too much. And you're like, I told you, I'll tell you tomorrow. Um, You know, so just, um, and also keeping in mind that every rescue is different. Because I do know people who say, oh, I dealt with a really bad rescue once, so I don't like rescues. And I'm like, you know, they're all very individual Nonprofit, you know. Um, what else? Um, I guess um, also creative thinking is important as far as uh, things you can use. So we had a kitty who was having issues because uh, he was smaller than his siblings uh, um, getting up to the litter box. So I just sort of found some small boxes and used them as steps. Or, you know, when they're really little, you have to use 
as 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 litter trays, just things like that. <laughs> um, oh, my favorite thing is uh, they sell these mini plastic dishes at the dollar store, and they're intended to be appetizer plates. And those are the best plates for when kitties are really tiny and need their own little dishes of wet food. That's amazing. Yeah, just being like looking at something and saying, oh, could this be used for kitten purposes? Especially uh, things from catering situations. Like if there's catering at work, friend or relative's house if they have those certain trays or things i'll ask them i'm like can i can i give you some for my kittens <laughs> <laughs> what? usually the answer is yes and then you know i can get things for free that way what do you think is the weirdest like household item that you've ever repurposed you know to for help cat with kittens? Items? yeah uh, uh hmm that is an excellent question. Uh, I guess I guess in oh, I went to a clothing swap and someone had brought these fuzzy pillowcases that didn't even have any matching sheets or anything. They're the perfect size and softness to line um, cat carriers. <gasps> That's perfect. Yeah, so so fuzzy pillowcases or any kind of thick pillowcase, which very few people actually want to sleep on because you want your pillow to be cool. Yeah, great for insides of uh, carriers. Perfect. So here's a weirdly cerebral question. What do you think humans could learn from cats? I think about this all the time. This is my... (laughs) Um, Well, I joke all the time that I learned how to set boundaries from Duchess. Because, you know, (laughs) Duchess, you know, she had her traumas and she liked people and stuff. But she, you know, she needed time to heal. And so... She knew how to set boundaries in a meaningful way. You know, she would hiss as a warning, but if you didn't heed her warning, she would, you know, make you bleed a little bit <laughs> and probably deserved it, <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so I learned that, you know, it's okay to have boundaries, especially when you're healing from something bad or dealing with um, trauma and that, you know, even if someone perceives you as unlikable or ornery, you know, the right kinds of people will love you anyway and will see see your beauty and your worth. Uh, what else? Oh, play more. <laughs> you know? Even adult cats will play. Um, not as much as kittens, but they'll, you know, they'll tussle, they'll play. You know, get out that energy. If you don't have any other way to get out some kind of energy, you could always play and, and it's good. Oh, nap more. Definitely. Mm. Yeah. And there's nothing vain about keeping yourself groomed. (laughs) Yeah, I think for me, um, the boundaries thing, too. And it's really funny because um, people, especially people who love dogs, often characterize cats as passive aggressive, which... I actually think can't be further from the truth because what cats are is avoidant. Um, most of them will try to avoid conflict. Like I often see, you know, so our two kitties, you know, aren't really friends. They fight sometimes. But most of the time, you know, if they walk into the same space, one or both of them will kind of just like turn around and pretend it never happened and, and just leave and just avoid it. Right. Yeah. But, when conflict of some sort is unavoidable, for instance, um, a human keeps touching your tum-tum, or um, another cat really needs to be shown her place, 
um, then they are very clear and direct about it. Yeah, they really are. Actually, the tummy thing is one thing that really bothers me when people talk about, you know, I know they're joking, but they'll say, you know, the belly trap. And it's like, oh, so you think just because someone's showing you a part of their body, it means you have to. Ah! Hmm, that seems suspicious. Well, um, well, and also, even when they do clearly want you to touch it, um, cats are, they're a very good kind of way to learn about the idea of overstimulation. Um, mm-hmm. and, and the idea that, you know, for any social creature, um, some sort of touch or stimulus could be pleasant, but it can maybe quickly become too much. Um and this is totally the case, you know, for instance, with humans and sex, but also with anyone and loud noises or strong smells or, you know, bright lights or anything. Yep. And cats are not shy about, you know, ensuring that they're going to feel okay and get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. Maybe they really do want exactly one tum rub. Just one. <laughs> <laughs> right? Like, like that, Yeah. That's- could be <laughs> so our second to last question this is going to be the hardest question what type of cat do you think is the most beautiful oh no you have to pick okay one. can you can you promise me that you won't play this to any of the other cats other than the kind i'm gonna say um i won't but i i'm not responsible for what they may choose to listen to so that's true it's gonna be public it's <laughs> so all right not so secretly my favorite cats are black cats i love pure black cats that look like voids with big yellow eyes <laughs> your your classic halloween kitty gets me every time um love them and they're so frustrating because you can never like take a good photo unless you have a good camera because it's just like black blob and eyes you know i've actually uh, strategized better ways of taking pictures of black cats because i've fostered so many um you know i try to come up with like if if i'm taking care of a black cat i'll make sure that the bed and the couches are covered with something that's bright and colorful so their fur kind of stands out oh. um yeah and i make sure that the um when I take pictures, basically nighttime is just impossible. Don't even bother. <laughs> but, um, you know, the, the, the times that photographers like to take pictures, like early morning and late evening or like early evening, rather, um, those are good times because, you know, flash doesn't do anything and unnatural lighting makes black cats look weird. But, you know, if you get some natural, slightly, you know, diffused light into your place, you can get some pretty good pictures of black cats. Okay, so... Thank you for teaching us of your ways. I definitely expect, um, like, a blog post about black cat photography techniques. <laughs> I, I think we need to know this because we have a vested interest in there being more black cat photos. Yes. Um, it's especially important. Like, I know people who are photographers or um, people in rescue who have um, weekends where photographers come in and take pictures of black cats and dogs uh, specifically so they can have better pictures for their websites because one of the things that does contribute towards the lower adoption rates for black cats just most random shelter volunteers do not know how to take a good picture and they're not exactly in the best environment for a good picture either yeah Um, 
So they'll just sort of snap off some picture to give you an idea of what the cat looks like. But that's not the same as, you know, a, a good picture. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think I definitely agree with you on black cats being the most beautiful. The other type of cat that is the most beautiful, and this is not a contradiction, I would have to say torties because... They are so, I've heard their expression described as world-weary. Yes. Um, Or my former roommate who had a tortie named Kit Kat used to say, um, Kit Kat looks like she's seen some shit. (laughs) And I think that that's true. I do love torties. I still remember the first tortie I ever met. I was already an adult and I just hadn't seen that many cats and uh, my spouse at the time was living with this dude who had this beautiful tortie kitten and she was just you know they look like smoke embodied you know they just there's so much nuance and like you could look at a tortie for a long time just looking at the different like patterns in their coats they they are really great and t- chocolate torties which are the the darker brown ones those are actually the second hardest color of cat to adopt because they are also a bit difficult to photograph. Um, so, you know, black cats and tortoises. I like the undercats, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, okay, just kidding. That wasn't the second to last question. <laughs> One more question. Why are cats so good? And do you think that we deserve cats? They are so good because they are cute and they are soft and they are purr and we do not deserve them. We do not. I I agree with you. Okay. My actual last question. What, if anything, would you want to leave our listeners with? What do you want them to just know about cat fostering they haven't talked about? What do you want them to really take away from this? That um, if you love cats and you want to make the world better for them, you can do something. Whether that's fostering difficult cats, fostering easy cats, you know, um, volunteering with your local rescue. Running those events is exhausting. Just the setup and takedown. And if I have an extra pair of hands, it makes my life easier when I do those. Or, you know, donating or, you know, volunteering at a shelter to socialize cats, you know. If you love cats and want to make a better world for them, there's probably something that you can do. And every little bit really helps. So do it if you can. Yeah. I stand by this message. And also, if you are getting a forever cat, first of all, remember that the cat is a part of your family. It is forever. It is not, you know, until you really want that sweet apartment that's no pets. And also shelters shelters please yes and and if you want your pick of any kind of cat you want just go for an adult rather than a kitten you will have an infinite selection of wonderful potential family members yes and i will share um you know since since i have adopted forever cats i will share my personal strategy for doing so you know don't it, it, it's kind of like okay it's kind of like dating don't go into it with this idea of what your ideal partner is going to look like and act like and how much money they're going to make. Um, the cats are all going to be freeloaders anyway, so just be prepared for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> once, once my partner seriously just like saw Katya sitting on the couch, 
and he was just like get a job <laughs> and I, I was in the other room and i'm just i'm like did you just like yell get a job at my cat and he's like yeah like what does she do to support herself around here nothing she's just perfect that's all um so yeah so, so don't don't try not to go into it with any preconceived notions you know go to the shelter um get acclimated have a seat and and see who comes to you and who loves up on you and cuddles with you um in my case you, you know Katya immediately hopped on my lap at the shelter and just sat there and sat there and sat there so of course I took her home um I have had her now for almost three years she has never sat on my lap ever since um not when I was sick not when I had cancer not after I had surgery it you know it was she never did it again she's still beautiful and wonderful when I complained about this to my dad he was like well when I went for my job interview I wore a suit but I never did that again so (laughs) (laughs) maybe she's onto something there yeah (laughs) clever Katya yeah she's a smart one even though she doesn't always show it all right well it's been so great talking to you i feel like i've learned so much more about cat rescue and i hope that our listeners have too definitely um it's always a pleasure to talk at someone about cats yes all right have a great rest of your night you too i hope you enjoyed this episode of 2 a.m talks If you'd like to subscribe, you can find it on iTunes, Pocket Casts, and other platforms. You can also follow the show on Twitter at 2AMTalksPodcast. Thank you for listening.